Hello, and welcome back to Vox Popcast, the weekly pseudo-academic roundtable pop culture analysis with drinking and swearing. My name is Christopher Maverick. Maverick, but you can call me Mav. And I am once again here with my co-hosts, Wayne and Monica. How's it going, guys? Going hey, good. Mav. Good, yeah. <laughs> I could really say that I've spent all weekend with Mav, because I just saw Top Gun... The laugh I will also introduce before the topic. My wife Stephanie is here with us again. Hi, Steph. Hi, Welcome everybody. back to the show. Thanks hey, for having me again. <laughs> uh, yeah, Steph's not been on the show since last week. Yeah, this was like a last minute kind of, <laughs> kind of decision here. Too. We'll get to why in a moment. But yeah, you, you did see Top Gun Maverick. Yes, and I loved it. Oh, okay. So my question, and this is weird because, and by the way, the show is not on Top Gun Maverick today, though it will be relevant. So, you know, bear with us for a little bit. Um, But at least when I talked to you about it before, before you go on to see it, have you seen the original Top Gun yet? No. Okay. And yet you still love this movie. I actually thought that was fascinating because this is very much, um, I would call this a dad movie. This is, (laughs) there was, there was a lot of dad energy in this film. (laughs) It also like... I could tell that this was like a nostalgia porn movie. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, like (laughs) there were so many things where I'm like, that's a reference. That's that's clearly a reference. It's clearly (sighs) something I'm not getting. But I didn't go to that movie to like plot. I went to that movie (laughs) for the same reason that I go to Fast and Furious movies, which is like planes do cool shit. And go zoom zoom and there's some there's some vaguely homosexual energy that i'm here right. for like, well, like and that's, that's was, what i went in for right your te- your text to me was plane go zoom yeah. <laughs> i'm like yes that is the plot of this film now and what i wonder about it is that you could tell it was nostalgia porn and you're like you're sure there are things that you weren't getting i expect that, so steph you've seen both of them wayne you've not seen the new one you've seen the original I right i've not seen any of them Oh, you've never seen. Oh, okay. Nope. Well, Steph, you've seen. You've seen I am them coming both. out of the closet as as the white male <gasps> in 1986 who did not see Top wow. Gun. <laughs> well, there are. are you American? I mean, that seems. Here it is. I was in grad school at that time. What year did huh. I come out? Uh, 1986. Yeah. That's, yeah, okay. yeah, that's, that's what that's I thought. Right. I thought 86. So, yep. so it came out in 86. So I I'm in grad school that year, and it just. My my attitude when I saw the trailers was I am living in jingoistic Reagan America. Oh yeah, this is a, mm-hmm. this is a recruiting commercial. I don't need to see the movie. Mm-hmm. Oh, so much so. <laughs> <laughs> and the, the, the first one especially is like a the first Top Gun is a hey kids you want to join the army right Air Force is cool or the Navy. I mean, so officially yeah. they're in the Navy. It doesn't matter. They're like exactly. randomly in the armed services. Yep. <laughs> and, and I was just completely put <laughs> off by that entire advertising campaign given who i was in the time frame of the movie so and i still haven't seen it and that's still part of my reason <laughs> steph you- and well i don't think i actually saw the original to Are be you honest sure? i don't think so. like again i'm terrible with remembering movies unlike you like um but i think i've just seen like clips from it like the beach volleyball scene and other scenes and i yeah, feel that, like that was wilson's first movie <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, you can cut that because that was a reference to something. No, we no, said no, no. Well, we, leave, we, oh, okay. Yeah, well, no, we, 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 we should, should imagine. Wilson will come, Wilson will come up. You know, I'll leave that. Wilson might come yeah. up 
later. Okay. Um, <laughs> um, so, okay. So yes, the thing is, I don't know if you can tell if you've seen it or not because Steph said you've seen clips from it. The movie it is feels just like that. I kind of understand the movie. Like it doesn't seem it's not a complex movie. <laughs> oh no! I, I think, mean, I feel I mean, like I understand the gist. No, planes go zoom is, yeah, yeah. is a pretty good. Right. And but like why, why I was wondering is because Monica said she enjoyed it, but not only is it nostalgia porn, I mean there are things where it's just shot for shot remakes. Some stuff is just like a oh okay this is the exact shot from the other movie i see what they're doing here oh yeah and that exactly happened there are things where it's just like the entire fun of this is oh they did that thing again and that's why i was like surprised when you were um when you said you had never seen any of it but you enjoyed it and stuff so you don't remember if you've seen it i don't think i have but you enjoy but you enjoyed this as well like you it's a fun movie yeah i mean and i thought this is dad porn very much this is very much a hey you're Mm. supposed to go and you're supposed to go wow i mean so if you're my age um you're and wing you'll probably say this too in fact i know you will because i know who your father is if you're my age your dads were very into you know world war ii as sort of a oh this is a movie about the war you know this is the tv show about the war your dad was actually in that mm-hmm. war so like you know that's like a that's like a thing that you know we're gonna watch the history channel that sounds fun and <laughs> um and i think that if you're if you are a dad who is my age then maybe instead of watching the history channel about the real war you watch top gun this movie about you know a war vaguely what war because <laughs> <laughs> it's never in top gun it's never explicitly said who they're fighting it's vaguely maybe the russians because you know it's like a it's like a cold war era because it's 1986 right yeah yeah and so it's like okay maybe it's they're like nuclear and you're like where did they have those yeah yeah and that's and this so similar movie. to this one. Oh, exactly okay, the okay. same so in this movie it's I'm like i'm pretty sure uh, i haven't now yeah and well there, yeah in this movie it's very much a we have to go fight the enemy the enemy they're enriching uranium and they've got some planes and they're the enemy there's a desert and some mountains and they're like okay could be russia could be afghanistan maybe north korea eh. <laughs> you know it doesn't you never see anybody's face because they're like the nice thing about top gun is like the bad guys wear helmets all the time because you know they're yeah. the enemy and so like I, it could be anybody it doesn't I'm, I'm really gonna, matter I'm gonna, I'm gonna make a deep cut re- deep cut reference to a pop culture tv show no one remembers which is i i like top gun better when it was called baba black sheep and i've seen baba black sheep or two yes i've seen <laughs> Yes, that Happy is a, Boynton. Did that, did that even did that even make a second season? I don't, I don't think so. No, no, <laughs> and I don't think it's available anywhere. But uh, yeah. So um, anyway, yeah, Top Gun was very much a guy movie, and I think it's interesting because I'm, I'm going to seamlessly segue into the topic here. Um, <laughs> no, because Top Gun Maverick amazingly passes the Bechdel test. Now, Steph, this is interesting because um. One of the we we want to do this show. We'll get to why in a moment because Monica proposed this, and then um, uh, Katya and Hannah both had um, sudden emergencies and couldn't be here for this episode. And Monica says, "Oh, our episode on the Bechdel test is going to fail the Bechdel test." <laughs> and they're like, "Crap!" Well, <laughs> Steph lives here, so we'll ask her to be on it. <laughs> um, Stephanie, I know you know roughly what the Bechdel test is, but do you know exactly what the Bechdel test is and how it works? Um, no. No, I'm sure I don't know exactly, but can what, I? What do you know? Go ahead. Well, I know it, a movie has to involve a, okay, so at least two women who 
And I don't know if it, there has there. I would I would hope there must be more than one scene in which they are communicating with each other. They have a relationship and they're not. Now, I learned this from like the pre-recording conversation, mm-hmm. but they they can't be talking about men. It has to be something, I guess. I don't know if there are any more restrictions on it. If it you You've know. already made a more complex test than the Bechdel test already. Actually, oh, yes. okay. it is. <laughs> it is. The official test uh, comes from a comic strip called Dykes to Watch Out For. That is a comic strip written by Alison Bechtel. And it's a joke in one one comic strip that she didn't even write. She stole it from her friend um, Wallace. I don't remember what her friend's name. Is. I think it's Lisa or something. But she just some friend of hers said something funny. And she's like, ha ha ha. That's funny. I'm putting that in my comic strip. Um, if you've had a which is, which is what most of that comic strip was was, yeah, you know, yeah. it was the stories of her and her friends uh, and right. also just for for the listener Alison Bechtel who's much more well known for Fun Home right yes um, Alison Bechtel has a MacArthur Genius Grant for her work that she's done later mm-hmm. she's um, and she is a brilliant cartoonist yeah um, but like I don't know I don't know because you said much more well known for Fun Home she is to us as comic scholars yeah like, well, she's yeah, probably she- most known for her I think I think people use the term Bechtel test and have no idea who Alison Bechtel is. Right. That's exactly what I'm getting at. So in the actual strip, the actual comic strip, there are two characters talking to each other. Again, they're clearly having the conversation. One of them is Allison and one is her friend. And if you've ever done a webcomic strip before, which I have, you know, that's where a lot of webcomic strip plots come from. You just kind of relate shit that happened to you with them because because it's like it's easier than writing something for real. Um, so um, one of the friends says, you know, I, I, I find that movies, modern movies are too sexist. So I only watch movies that can pass this test. It has to have at least two female characters. They have to talk to each other. And that conversation has to be about something other than a man. And they're like, that seems like it fails. And she says it fails way more often than you think about. And that's the end of the strip. There's like, ha ha ha. Here's an amusing anecdote. Um, This strip goes on to become the foundation for a lot of people's thoughts on the Internet. Like, I don't know that people who talk about the Bechdel test even know it comes from a comic strip or that Bechdel is a specific person or anything like that. People usually stated as has to have two named female characters as opposed to two female characters, but the same thing. And I pointed out in the call for comments that it's not even really three rules, because if you were really saying this, what you would say is, I want this film to have two female characters who talk to each other about something other than a guy. You'd say it in one sentence, but she says it as three separate sentences because she was trying to pad out her comic strip and make it follow a three act structure, which is how you structure a joke in a comic. strip. There's a there's a pacing issue. <laughs> um, yeah. And it was supposed to be funny, but like that's the rule: is how do you tell if this is cyst? Uh, except that, like, if you think about it, and this is what our episode's about today. If you think about it for more than two seconds, this is not a scalable rule. And for reasons we're going to talk about in a throughout the rest of this episode, I don't think it can be a scalable rule because is something sexist or racist or transphobic or you know whatever ist you want to get to is a much more complicated re- conversation than does it pass this generic test, even yeah, if the w- test is well thought out, especially if the test was just a stupid joke in a comic yeah. script. Yeah. So I guess the uh, thing that maybe is interesting to me too is like, 
The first thing that I always think of is the women in refrigerators. And I'm like, why didn't that one yes. become a test? And, mm-hmm. and for the listeners who don't know, there is a there's an issue of uh, a Green Lantern, Green Lantern. comic mm-hmm. in which um, the Green Lantern's girlfriend is killed by the villain and stuffed in a fridge. And there is sort of this observation that a lot of times female characters, especially in superhero comics, exist basically only to ever draw like drive the plot forward and only ever motivate the main character in some way and therefore the women end up pretty objectified because they just exist in service of the narrative instead of ever having their own mm-hmm. identities and it's called mm-hmm. sort of the, the women in fridge effect and, mm-hmm. and when I think about that that seems to have like a much larger I guess and more well-rounded like implication of like how women are being used within the narrative that feels a lot more I guess accurate to asking the question of is something sexist or is it not than this rectal test does and and that's why for me I'm like it seems strange that because I would argue that coming from like a queer indie webcomic is a, a strange place for for like the internet to latch onto instead of like a major published DC Green Lantern comic. But, you know, I'm not in charge of how the internet works. <laughs> like, I guess I also think of like the the Pepe the Frog becoming like a white nationalist symbol also based off yeah. of just like an indie comic that had absolutely nothing to do with the meaning yeah. that it became like that it sort of gets co-opted into. And obviously Pepe is like a much, much more extreme example yeah. than mm-hmm. the Blechtel test. But there is sort of this like this idea that the internet is taking things out of context and turning it into because <laughs> when you call it the official mm. test, it's not really the official test. It's sort of no. the, the unofficial test that unofficial the internet test, has yeah. deemed yeah. an official Although, test. I think part, yeah, part that, that's part of the problem is there are people who think this is an actual thing out there someplace. Mm-hmm. Um, I've read many actual academic articles that start with the Bechtel test as as their premise, as, as though this were a, as though mm-hmm. yeah, as though this were a peer reviewed scientific method, and it just necessarily fails. It does not do what it even pretends to do in the joke, right? Mm-hmm. Like, which is which is kind of a problem. Yeah, I'm going to jump in with going back to the women in refrigerators thing. I just there's the the very overt you know, the killing a male protagonist. Mm-hmm significant other to motivate mm-hmm. them. But there's, I mean, that that's sort of the hardcore definition of it. Uh, but, you know, metaphorically can mean anything where a woman you know, just exists, you know, whatever her role in the story is, whether she is killed or not. As a motivation for the male. I, that, I mean, there's a website dedicated to women in refrigerators you know, through comic studies. It's mm-hmm. a thing out there. It hasn't made its way into the general public in quite the way the Bechtel test has, but it is something right. that's talked about in a, a wider context. Um, yeah, and, and people say fridging of a woman, yeah. like in order to, and I think, I don't know that they know. I mean, like, I don't know that they can trace it back to Gail Simone, who was the person who originally mm-hmm. used the term, but she's not the person right. who wrote that comic. But then I think the difference is the women in refrigerators trope. It's necessarily a discussion. You can't just say this movie is a refrigerator movie because mm-hmm. unless there is, unless you're, you're literally talking about Green Lantern volume three, number 54, which is where, no um, yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah. yeah, where like there's like, usually there's no fridge, right? Yes. That's exactly right. it. Like, you know, very rarely do only in one example that I can think of 
is the woman literally shoved into a refrigerator, which is in that actual comic book. You know, beyond that, it's metaphorically in a refrigerator. And then the question becomes, you know, we certainly don't want to create a world or at least I should say uh, uh, when I say we mere here, I mean the four of us. I certainly don't want there to be a world where, as a writer, I am not allowed to kill a female character. Um, and, I have and, read many and, pieces of analysis that think that that's the problem. Well, and, and that and is the, not the world and, we're looking for. In the real world, I mean, if you're telling stories about real people, people lose loved ones and it motivates them to do other things. With yes. Their life. You know, like that, that, that's a legitimate real life experience that we can't just say, oh, you can never do that. My it's, child died, so I'm now going to yeah. have a the, have an anti Columbine thing. Yes, yeah, right. I mean, the way the way in which you do that, you mm-hmm. know, if it is just purely this is the motivation of this character, I you know, and once again, no agency for the woman, no indication of genuine personality or life or what they meant before this. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it just you know, as a writer, the wealth of human experience should be at my fingertips. Um, right. It's what you do with it that is but where the problem is. To take it the other way, though, even in the women in refrigerators trope. Yes. Alexandra, uh, Alex is the character's name. Alexandra is the woman's name who gets shoved in the refrigerator and she dies for no reason other than to motivate Kyle. That's what she exists for. But you know what? Alexandra DeWitt is the character's name, dies in her sixth appearance in a comic. It takes six issues to get there, but basically in her intro story, she dies at the end of it in order for him to have somebody to seek revenge for. It's the only reason she exists. Yeah. Um, in much the same way as Uncle Ben for Spider-Man or Batman's parents or the entire planet Krypton. She is part of <laughs> she is part yeah. of the origin story for for Kyle Rayner. Um the Tragic only difference. The yeah. The only difference is it's his girlfriend rather than his uncle or home planet or his parents. So yes, the point still stands. Does she have any agency? No. She basically exists in that story to be his girlfriend. Like you know that they, you know, you yeah, you know they're a couple. You see them wake up in bed together and go, "Okay, that's his girlfriend," because you know they apparently slept together last night. And then she, he tells her that he's got superpowers now, and she's like, "Oh, wonderful! I'm going to help you learn stuff." And then later, some guy kills her, and that's what she exists for. She never had any other agency. She's not there for any other reason. She makes it longer than Uncle Ben because yeah, she's they, she's not a she's not a character. She's a plot point. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she, yeah. but she's entirely just a plot point. Yeah. She, so this, yeah. yeah, this reminds me of like the Charles Bronson movies or the like kidnap movies yes. and all those. Mm-hmm. She yeah. is, I mean, Liam Neeson taken. Yeah. I have stolen yes. your daughter. Please give me a reason. Like, and the daughter is just there, like, in order to give him something to fight for. That's, you know, she is barely a character. Mm-hmm. Same, the, the exact same thing. Yes. So, but yes, the, that is a problem. The problem isn't one individual story, though. And Gail Simone, who came up with the idea of women illustrators. <laughs> She will say this as well. The problem with women in refrigerators isn't that you are killing a female character. The problem is, is that the only place for women in mm-hmm. superhero stories mm-hmm. is as victims? Right. And that was her actual complaint. Certainly, you can kill an Alex just as easily as you can kill an Uncle Ben. The problem is, she was saying, why are there no other options? Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Things have gotten better. I think that so to tie this back to the Bechdel test, same thing, right? Like the the assumption that, oh, it's sexist if it doesn't pass the Bechdel test, it's not sexist if it does pass the Bechdel test, is sort of broken. And I should, yeah. I, here I'll say, 
The problem with the Bechdel test is it's not well thought out. Famously, the movie Gravity fails the Bechdel test. It fails the Bechdel test because there are only three characters in Gravity. One of them dies in the first minute, so he's barely a character. You never even see him. Like he, like there are it's three people on a spacewalk. An asteroid hits them, kills one guy immediately. The other two people, one is Sandra Bullock, one is George Clooney. They're going to try to make their way to another space station so that they can escape back to Earth. Um, George Clooney's character dies along the way. So most of the movie is Sandra Bullock trying to make her way to a space station and escape to Earth by herself. It is primarily a one woman show for the bulk of the film. She is the definition of a strong female character. The Wilson joke was because Monica had never seen Gravity. And I said, it's Castaway in space. That's what this movie is. Sandra Bullock by herself in space where for a little bit, George Clooney is there as Wilson, the volleyball. And um, that's the whole movie. It's just her by herself. But it fails the Bechdel test because there are no other women in the movie. They could have made, I mean, George Clooney's part could have been played by a woman, but it's not. It's played by George Clooney. It doesn't matter. He dies in the first 20 minutes, too. Mm -hmm. It's literally a movie about her by herself. That's the point. Similarly, Waiting to Exhale, which is a movie about the friendship between four women as they help each other through man problem for black women. It's based on a book. Fails the Bechdel test. Every conversation they have is about the men in their lives being idiots. But it's a women's movie. Should women be able to talk about other stuff? Sure. But I don't think you should feel ashamed if you like Waiting to Exhale. Um, there are generations of of black women who love this movie. Um, and it's a really, really strong <laughs> movie. Similarly fails. Promising Young Woman. I, there are trivial conversations between women. Like they say hi, but then they quickly turn to, so that guy is an asshole. Like Promising Young Woman is a woman's revenge fantasy movie. Um, supposed to be a big feminist movie. Doesn't pass. But you know what passes the Bechdel test? Lots and lots of porn. Porn frequently passes the, Be- the Bechdel test because porn plots are often, hey, you know, let's get a pizza. A pizza would be hot. And then, you know, two women will have a conversation about the pizza and then some guy will show up and they'll fuck him. But like the the intro part of the porn movie totally passes the Bechdel test. And girl on girl porn made for men often passes the Bechdel test because it's not well thought out because it's not supposed to be. It's supposed to be a joke in a comic strip. So how much? I mean, Steph looked at me weirdly. Yeah, it just seems like this test is completely useless. It it is (laughs) because it's not supposed to be a test. It's supposed to. I mean, it's, it's like supposed it's supposed to be a, to be a, a joke. Strip. Right. right now. I do think it opens you up to very serious conversation because once you start thinking about it, like once you read that comic strip, you go, wait a minute. A lot of the movies I like don't have the women doing anything interesting. The original Top Gun movie. Um, there are two female characters in the original Top Gun movie. There is a there's a see, and I don't even remember their characters' names. There is a woman play. There is a character played by Meg Ryan and a character played by Kelly McGinnis. I don't think they ever talk to each other. If they do, it's oh, I think they might say there might be a trivial conversation where they say, "Hey, are you Maverick's girlfriend?" Yeah. Oh, he's an asshole. Yep. All right. <laughs> like that's about it. But but uh, Meg Ryan's character is Goose's wife and Kelly's character is Tom Cruise's girlfriend. And they do not interact with each other in any meaningful way in the film. Yeah. Now I'm pretty positive I haven't seen it because I, I would have remembered Meg Ryan. No, you would not have. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, well, this, this, was, this was well yeah. before she was Meg Ryan. True, that's true. Um, before, I'm, yeah. I'm sure there are people who are listening to this to this podcast right now who have seen Top Gun 
a dozen times and they're going, is that Ryan's Meg Ryan? In that movie? <laughs> yeah. I mean, if I'd have watched it more recently, clarify. Yeah, that. she's in four scenes as the wife of Maverick's friend Goose, who mm-hmm. is the Anthony Edward character. She plays his wife. And if you watch it now and you, you'll go, I'll be damned. That's Meg Ryan. She she's completely incidental to the yeah. plot. She is just the wife. I don't remember. I mean, I've seen the movie dozens of times. I don't remember her character's name other than she's Goose's wife. And I'm not make, doing a bit. I just literally can't remember right now. <laughs> I'm going to have to Google it. <laughs> but yeah, it, it, that the original Top Gun sort of fails the Bechdel test. You kind of go, there's there's no place for women in this movie. It's just a it's a boys being boys kind of movie. Right. Uh, and then the second Top Gun, the one that Monica, did you see it yesterday or when did you see yesterday. it? Um, passes the Bechdel test. Mm. Steph saw it like last week and Steph's going, it does? Yes. Penny and Amelia talk. Is that the mother and daughter? Yeah. You have, yeah. To, you have yeah. to think about, about it. Now, about the can you, Yeah. They talk about oh, home. They talk okay. about homework and they talk about sailing. Now, Monica, uh, you saw this movie yesterday, right? Yes. Yes. Which one's Penny and which one's Amelia? Penny's the mom and Amelia's the okay, daughter. Yeah. <laughs> just because it sounds like an older woman name. <laughs> yeah. Penny is the mom. Amelia's the daughter. Uh-huh. And they have huh. they have a trivial conversation about, well, I want to go sailing. Well, I can't. I'm doing homework. But 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 you promised you'd help me. Sorry, mom. I'm busy. Well, what am I going to do? Take Mav. So he does sneak into the conversation at the very end. But the conversation is not really about him. He's just kind of standing over there and he's like, all right. But like they have a trivial conversation about homework and sailing um, that allows the movie to pass the Bechtel test mm-hmm. and affects the plot in no meaningful way whatsoever. <laughs> Mav and his love interest spend more time together. Uh, sure, and, but she could have just asked him to say it. Like the, the daughter's yes, only there yes, to yes. have that. Like the like she has and no meaningful. Point, so yeah. that they have to go sailing together, which I mean, it, it, I think the other like big critique <laughs> yeah. that I have is that the Bechdel test has become like very like heteronormative, despite the fact that it came from a queer comic. In which, like, the original definition was just, are they talking about a man? And Mm -hmm. mainstream media and the internet has taken that to mean, are they talking about a relationship, like, specifically a romantic or or sexual relationship with a man? Now, if we're actually talking about, is this a conversation about a man? It could be, oh, my boss is a man and he's Mm -hmm. a dick. Not Mm -hmm. anything having to do with relationships whatsoever. Um, It becomes becomes much harder because 50% of the planet happens to be, you know, roughly 50% of the planet. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. It it does become The point of this being Mm -hmm. a comic called Dykes to Watch Out For, because this is about lesbian women like navigating patriarchal society like yes that's mm. the point and and so mm. when you take the test out of context to then be about heterosexual relationships you are also entirely missing the point of the test to begin with and mm-hmm. and <laughs> in this way that's again i want to just be like it's stupid why have we chosen to attach onto this thing where we've divorced it of its original meaning which i feel like had 
something greater to say, even though it was just a like a one comic joke, than what we have now decided is this very important scientific method that we need to put everything through. Because I, I think if we're having larger discussions about like patriarchal society, that would be worth a little bit more than just assuming that everyone is in a heterosexual relationship. Meg Ryan's name was Carol in the movie. She's 14th on the she's she's 14th on the call sheet. Mm. So she's like way down in the count. Right. <laughs> so. so wait, just just so I want to make sure I understand um, your point, Monica. So are you saying that like in the queer comic that even them talking about like their I guess like how the patriarchy has negatively affected their lives that would that would not count towards the Bechtel test? It would fail. It would fail. Exactly. Okay, so it has to be okay. Test. Gotcha. Yeah. Right. It's okay. the idea right. that women should be able to talk to each other about women, like or about on, their, on their own terms yeah. without being yes. being affected by like how men right. influence them. Basically, yeah. like, it okay. also it also allows for non gendered like, conversation. Yeah. Women talking about the weather would be fine. Okay, mm-hmm. right. Yes. right. But it is still sort of fitting into that like radical uh, feminism vein of this idea of like the absence of men. So either non gendered mm-hmm. conversation or conversation about women. It it. Mm-hmm. it the absence of men in being allowed to create these like radical feminist queer spaces is the point like Mm -hmm. and and that's why it's like kind of even all the things that we're saying are passing the rectal test potentially aren't right Mm. this episode can't because even if you and monica speak to each other the fact that we're having a conversation about gender issues right, right, right. necessarily fails the test. Right. Yes. And, and which is, which is intentional to the test and is potentially a very interesting conversation that one can have that most of the think pieces written don't have. engage with. Yeah. And that's kind of a problem. That's, that's a serious problem. We should talk about the impetus for this particular episode, like why you brought it up in our, in our group chat was because of a, a minor controversy that happened this week with this movie that only Steph and I have seen, but um, it's a movie called Fire Island that was released this week. And Monica, you saw the controversy first, right? Because you haven't seen the film yeah. yet. Yeah, I was on on Twitter and saw that there was a lot of people uh, talking about the Bechtel test. And specifically, this was um, a female writer who basically mm-hmm. was like, Fire Island gets an F minus on the Bechtel test because Which is not how the test works, but okay. No, the test does not have grades. <laughs> pass or fail. <laughs> it is a pass fail. Um, and so this movie Fire Island is about a Asian men. It is Pride and Prejudice with gay Asian men, the same way that uh, 10 Things I Hate About You is Taming of the Shrew, but with high schoolers. Like, yes. it, uh, that's the best way to describe it. It's one of those sort of like modern retelling type stories. Um, mm-hmm. But this is a movie about gay Asian men for gay Asian men. Like, written, directed, and produced by one. Yes. And yes. And in, it is in very sense, much like a woman complaining that she does not see herself represented in this space. Feels, white woman. Yes. Feels incredibly, incredibly privileged 
because this is not a space that was ever meant for her, yeah. which she is asking to be included. Yeah. yeah, it seems tone deaf to me. It was. And um, and, and the internet the told her so. <laughs> the, <laughs> and that was the weird thing, right? Hannah Rosin is the writer who complained and she has since apologized. She said, yeah, I wasn't really thinking this through. But she uh, originally talked about, oh, do we just ignore the drab lesbian stereotype? There's a, there's it fails. There's one female character in the movie. Technically, there's two. But like there's only one with a name played by Margaret Cho. There's very intentionally only one woman in the movie because it is a movie very much about gay men. The primary characters, all of whom are Asian. There are other non-Asian gay men in it. I, I don't want to give too much of it away. So again, it's Pride and Prejudice. If you've read Pride and Prejudice, there are no surprises in this plot for you. Um, in fact, there was point, there was a point when we first started watching it, Steph goes, do you think those two are going to end up together? And I go, no, I know who's going to end up with who, because it's very obvious to me which character is which from Pride and Prejudice. <laughs> so like, I know exactly, like, those two aren't going to end up together because in the book, they're sisters. And therefore, they... Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And these were all Mav's thoughts. He didn't say these out loud. Right, but yeah. I, I explained them afterwards, yeah. after we watched, because she was like, how did you know? And I'm like, well, because I've yeah, read yeah. this book. Um, but it's yeah, it's exactly Pride and Prejudice. Um, our Hannah were on the show today. She talked about the minor differences <laughs> between it, but like, it's very much inspired by that. And it's good. And as Steph said, it's tone deaf to be concerned that, well, this movie isn't feminist. I mean, technically, yes, it's a movie about dudes, about gay Asian men, a massively underrepresented demographic for Hollywood. Can you name another gay Asian man rom-com? Because I can't. And I watch a lot of movies. So, you know, they got one. And, you know, the movies kind of delightful i mean stuff you've seen yeah, I liked it's, it. it's yeah. really cute i, I mean I enjoyed a, it. i mean again it's pride and prejudice i mean so like if you like the story of pride and prejudice you'll go oh yeah yeah that's yeah i feel like i'm cultured now <laughs> <laughs> but like does it matter that neither of us are asian gay men and like there's not no, our story yeah it, it wasn't for us and like you should be able to enjoy this to be fair though i would argue and this is where it becomes controversial i think it's okay for top gun to not pass the Bechdel test i think it's oh, the top gun is a movie for white dudes to feel good about their planes going zoom um the new movie has a black guy in it and there's you know two women on the team what are their names doesn't matter <laughs> like it's not about that like it, it really is a, a a it's a white boy fantasy um and i think it's okay for those films to exist and again it passes the Bechdel test because i'm sure someone sat in a room and said if we don't there find should some be way a lady pilot there should be a, yeah yeah uh -huh. yeah and then but also even like penny and amelia being in that scene it's like what if they talked about sailing yeah that's because because amelia doesn't need to exist um you could have if penny had just said hey mav you want to go on a sailing trip with me he would have said yes that would have been fine if they needed to streamline the movie but they added her daughter in order to give you know now we've got yeah. two characters it like helps the bechdel test but like goes against the women in refrigerators <laughs> no she didn't die well no i mean i just i just mean like i guess i'm thinking in terms yeah. of like women being proactive oh she has yeah things. she's yeah. she is purely just there 
rare for you to know that someone loves him. Oh, is man. it to be clear that he's not gay? He's not gay? Yeah. I, I really, um, <laughs> um, this is Top Gun we're talking about. Yeah. And you oh, haven't yeah, seen the, the first one. Gun. Yeah, you haven't seen the first one. You haven't seen Kelly McGillis stars in the first movie as his love interest officially, though clearly his love interest in the movie is actually Val Kilmer, which there's a callback in this in this scene. Like Top Gun very much is a love story between Maverick and Iceman. That's what it is. Um, and so much so that Top Gun Maverick is like, you know, it's 30 years later and Iceman and Maverick still love each other. And it's touching when they the have Ice their Man hug. has come in yeah. return. What is that? <laughs> Oh, yeah, God. but he's well, but there's a scene where you know where where Val Kilmer and, and Tom Cruise get the hug and everything, and it, you know it it's very much a homosocial bonding story. Even if you want to non queer it, if you want to watch it without a queer gaze, it's still a homosocial movie. It's a movie about man bonding. If you um, but if you are a literary scholar by trade or a media scholar by trade, if you're someone who's on this show. You watch Top Gun and you go, wow, that volleyball scene is awfully hot. I know. It's disappointing that they didn't play volleyball in this one. Yeah, they play football instead. It's manlier. Um, it's straighter, perhaps. That's true. Yeah. yeah, that's the disappointment. Well, and, and they're playing football on the beach as a substitute for volleyball so that it's not exactly the same scene. And there's also two women there, but like they, you know, they, they don't want to be R rated. So they're wearing sports bras. Um, and it, you know, and it almost kind of ruins the vibe, I thought, because like the entire point of Top Gun isn't planes going zoom. The point of Top Gun is, is shirtless volleyball. Mm. That's what it's about. Yep. That's, that's what we all paid for. <laughs> and suddenly, it's like, I don't know. I just controversial hot take. I think it's OK for straight white men to have movies for them. The, the flaw, much like with women in refrigerators is when we don't allow there to be other movies. And mm. the tragedy of this week for me is that someone made another movie. Someone worked their ass off to make this movie for Asian gay men. This one, one film. Just like, let them have this one thing. And then someone had to try to complain, this isn't feministy enough. Why is there only a token woman in it? And it's like, did you watch the movie? Because that's what the movie's about, right? It's it's, it's it's about like representation and a space for gay men to like love each other. And it's, it's really touching actually. Yeah. And, and, and not everybody's perfect. And there's a lot of, you know, some of these people are good people. Some of these people are bad people. Some people are very much villains because it's pride and prejudice. <laughs> Again, it's literally um, like no surprises. I, mean, I don't want to spoil anything for, for you, but if you've read pride and prejudice, you're going to go, okay, yeah, I see where this is going. Yep. All right. Right. And he's a dick. Yes, because I read Pride and Prejudice. Like, so you said tone deaf. I don't understand how this woman made this mistake. Like, what would make you even try to come? Like, why pick on Fire Island, a movie that, you know, like, like Top Gun is in theaters now at the top of the box office. You could complain that the women do nothing in Top Gun. That would be a reasonable complaint. Again, I still think it's an okay movie. I think it's a really good movie. But if a woman wrote about Top Gun and said, you know what? Why is anybody praising this movie? The women in this movie are pointless. I'd be able to say, you know, kind of they are. I mean, like there are two women on the team, but they're indistinguishable from the men, which I, I could argue is a good thing, right? Like a soldier is a soldier, right? Like the, and the, and the movie does like no one ever looks down on the female pilots in this new Top Gun movie and Top Gun Maverick and say, 
say, but you're a girl. That's not in here. Like they're like, there's these are the best of the best. And two of them happen to be women. And it's just fine. Is that fair to Monica, Stephanie? You guys have seen it. Like yeah. I'd say that's like, yeah. it doesn't, it doesn't matter. Right. Um, but they're minor characters. The main female character is Jennifer Connelly. And, you know, she's there, like Monica said, so you know that Mav is straight. Like, you go, oh, well, he's got a lady that he likes. He's straight. And then you pay attention to the movie and you say, but it really feels like he likes Val Kilmer more. (laughs) (laughs) And it kind of does. You know, there's there's more affection there, which was true in the first Top Gun, too. There is a lot more sexual tension Mm -hmm. between Mav and Ice than there is between Mav and Charlie. Charlie is is Kelly Michaelis's character. Yeah. Yeah, I think if you just saw the second one without seeing the first, then you might not get that. Because get the like, if you didn't understand the previous relationship between Maverick and Iceman. I, yeah, Iceman. Then. I don't know, Monica, did you think that, well, he stuff used to a shrine so- in his garage. I think we all <laughs> yeah. know. I also yeah, I, would I'm- say that there is, there is a moment in which, and I won't spoil the movie, in which uh, Tom Cruise and uh, Goose's son, like, sort of like... Rooster. Uh, <laughs> Rooster. They sort of, like, yell at each other. And it's very much this, where I was and I like kind of was joking, but I, I turned my husband and I went kiss because it, it was very <laughs> much like a uh, one of those like, I'm I'm trying to help you. No, I'm trying to help you. And and it's one of those where like usually in other movies, then they like kind of hate fuck it out. Like that, yeah. that is the the tension that was written. Yeah, yeah. I agree. I'm, I'm just I'm just and imagining all the all the dude bros out there who are in complete denial that there was ever a sexual tension in this movie. Oh, Top Gun or in the, oh, in this one? Yeah, in, in either of them. There, like, and and that's a little bit of why I'm like, so so our Bechdel test is bullshit. Mm-hmm. But I still kind of feel like they're like having tests is important. I think as much yes. as we need to recognize like the idea that like there are spaces where like this is for a distinct audience and that distinct audience of like gay Asian men who deserve to have one fucking movie like let them have <laughs> one fucking movie and don't criticize it but then there are also other movies that are very clearly meant for mainstream audiences and and I do feel like having tests where where the point of the film is is sort of like are we tracking larger social cultural changes is important and and so with a movie like top gun where we can point to these examples of the Bechtel test because it's a mom and her daughter talking about homework is bullshit but we can also talk about the fact that like the female pilot doesn't become rooster's girlfriend because not everybody needs to be paired up like a cw show right like so Mm -hmm. there there is still like a having a test that's like could this character have been played by either a man or a woman and you wouldn't have known the difference and maybe that helps prove that something is sexist or not sexist like that still seems like maybe a piece of criteria that might be helpful because i think that the nice thing about tests is for people who maybe don't understand these larger conversations of representation or sexism is it can break it down in really easy ways for people to be like, oh, I hadn't thought of that before. Maybe that is kind mm-hmm. of sexist. And I, and I think that that's 
really important. And so I think maybe it's just that these tests need to be, we need some middle ground, like they need to be longer than is it two named women talking about something other than a heterosexual relationship, because that's way too reductive. Then we also need it to be short enough that it's not like 30 pieces of a checklist in which people who want quick answers about if something is sexist or racist are going to be willing to put it through that level of analysis. Right. Yeah, I think I think part of the problem is these things become I mean, like say this it's a simple punchline from a comic strip, but it becomes written in stone. Mm-hmm. There, there's no variation there. There's no no allowances for anything else. And I think a lot of people. Yeah, I, I, I agree. We need some way to talk about this and, and see, like I say, having a test of some sort to bring the issue up. People get so wrapped up in it is this. Well, oh, and, so my, no here's my question. Interpretation. I have a question then. Is the problem not so much that we care about tests, but that we want people to actually think and read articles and listen to podcasts and stuff like that? So here's where I'm wondering about, like, right, like in Top Gun, for instance, um, there are several female characters. Now, we were talking about Penny and Amelia because they actually speak to each other. The two pilots names are Phoenix and Halo, the two female pilots. Um, And I think Monica's right in that. I love that this film just says anybody can be a pilot. You just have to work hard enough. It acknowledges that the military is heavily male still, you know, so that just seems realistic. These are the best pilots. Since there are more male pilots than female pilots, there just happen to be more male pilots here. Like that I'm fine with. But all the stuff where we're talking about where we want nuance, where we want to be able to say, look, it's really stupid that this passes the Bechtel test not because Halo and Phoenix are are on the team. It passes the Bechdel test because Amelia and Penny talk about fucking homework in a mostly off mic conversation that's just there for that entire reason. That's not having nuance, right? That seems like a problem to me to where I want to be able to talk about that. And I can because I have two internet shows and, you know, I teach classes where I can force students to talk to me about this and I can write academic articles. So like I have an outlet where I can have these conversations, but do regular people have these conversations or would regular people just prefer to look at a headline on a list and be able to just say, look, these are the ones that pass the Bechdel test and these are the ones that don't. And I'm done now. Right. And I think people want that. I know people want that because we've talked about this. We were, we talked at one point, Wayne, about doing um, a show on the Riz test, which is somebody's proposed test to discover whether or not a movie is racist towards Muslims. And then there's a billion other tests that are just like sort of plays on the Bechdel test where people have proposed these tests to, the, to do this. But you can't make a movie that is just woke towards every um, possible micro group because then you don't have a movie anymore, right? There are too many different identity groups to where you can't have a movie that is good for Asians and good for black people and good for Muslim people and good for white people and good for lesbians and good for bisexual people and good for the polyamorous and good for the monogamous and good for the asexuals and good for the, you, you know, like, like if I, if I hit every identity group, now I'm just naming characters and I'm doing a hands across America video yeah, you're, you're, and I'm not, and it's pandering. A movie. And, right. I'm just right. And I'm not making a movie. argue. So I actually want to bring up Eternals because I feel like Eternals was, there was like a lot of criticism of being like, it's representation, but it didn't go far enough. 
And it's like, well, you, there are 40 characters in the movie. There's so many people like they're stringing like the Eternals. As much as I like really liked it, it was also kind of like a mess of a movie. And mm-hmm. I would argue that it, it was one in which I was like, yeah, it's because my guess is behind the scenes, like Chloe Zhao, the director, like really pushed for these things. And yet what you're still dealing with is Marvel and Disney being like, yeah, but like families and Florida. And like, that's that's the best you could get is this mess of a movie in which these ideologies are very clearly battling it out on screen. Mm -hmm. Um, Because, yeah, it is just a setup with a bunch of other characters um, and a bunch of representation that doesn't really allow anyone to get particularly flushed out because you don't spend enough time with any of them Mm -hmm. right so to to mom's point it's like does that that movie probably passes whatever the test is but it didn't actually make a better movie because a better movie Mm -hmm. is the thing that lets you and i want to give maybe a great example would be um the eternals has a a deaf character and a deaf actress uh Mm -hmm. coda is a movie that won the oscars about a deaf family and I feel like I understand uh, deaf culture much better from watching Coda than from watching somebody use sign language in Eternals. And as much as I know that representation is important, rep- understanding to me is more important right. than representation. And and so I think that in order to have both of those things, like you need movies that are made for specific audiences. I was like pretty annoyed when Michael B. Jordan was originally cast in the um, Fantastic Four remake because people were like, oh, that's representation. And I'm like, no, representation would be a fucking Black Panther movie, not just Mm -hmm. casting, like (laughs) not just colorblind casting, because it's really only addressing one problem, like which Mm -hmm. is that representation should be there, but also nuanced representation is as important because there is a sense in which potentially because there's a deaf character in Eternals, somebody might be more likely to go watch a movie like Coda that they wouldn't mm-hmm. have turned on anyway. So like that, that access point is important. Does Coda mean, technically pass the Bechdel test? Because I'm trying to think, does like most of the, yes. I mean, the um, other female characters are deaf. Because so she, I'm trying talks, to, she talks with her mom <laughs> about how she wants to go to college her mom's and deaf. to music. Debbie. What I'm saying is, does it matter? Right. Okay. So, so that counts because, because people have argued that Little Mermaid doesn't pass the Bechdel test. Ariel barely speaks in the movie because she can't speak most of the movie. So there's a lot of, and and when she does speak with Ursula, she's, they're talking about Eric. That's some fucking ableist nonsense. (laughs) (laughs) That's what I'm wondering. Like people argue that Little Mermaid doesn't pass. And then because, because most of the movie, like Ursula talks a lot. Ariel mostly only talks to Ursula about Eric and then Ariel doesn't talk for the entire movie because she can't. <laughs> but, but technically, I mean, she she communicates. Uh, I don't know. How, I don't know. How to, and, and there are there's are in it, but only barely, you know, so there. Yeah. I guess my point, though, is like if you're if your point of like access and entry in in this example is that you watched Eternals and then you got curious about deaf culture and then you watched Coda, it's going to be a lot easier for you to want to watch Coda if Eternals was actually like good. I, I don't know. Like if, okay, fair. <laughs> if if your point of access and your movie with your your representation that makes uh, our, our quote unquote capital O other a little less scary to you, like 
it's also important that those be like I don't know good good movies. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It kind of feels to me like there needs to be like foundational movies, like you said, Monica, with Coda. Like it feels like there needs to be like an opening in Hollywood where they are, where they like fa- like faithfully and empathically show the you know the how you know how people are of different walks of life from different you know abilities disabilities whatever. And then like because it does seem like just hope pure token if they're kind of mixed together like you said in an ensemble way without first sort of like giving them that like that prestige like, in their own like movie check, you know what i mean it's just checking the boxes yes. yeah exactly yeah and i, I yeah I, so i guess i was thinking about top gun and like i don't i can't think of uh, off the top of my head like any movies that are really about a woman who becomes a fighter pilot who like fights her way through you know there's a lot of like scandal about you know women getting you know being um initiated into pr- primarily you know male institutions like uh I don't know if West Point was one, but the Citadel, I think, was one where they had the scandal yeah. where women were being harassed mm-hmm. like in the 90s or 2000s. I forget one. But yeah, there doesn't there. I don't remember seeing like that story, I guess. So to me, like seeing women like now just seems like maybe incomplete or somewhat token. So are you asking, I mean, do they have to be a fighter pilot or are you just saying women in the military? Which are, so well, yeah, yeah, yeah. I well, guess in the military yeah. in general. OK, because I, I mean, I would recommend want to just watch a movie that's like she's a lady she doesn't belong here like because like i would rather watch a top gun maverick as like a movie in which the women are are not acknowledged as women than have to sit through another like you know you you can't sit with us because you're a lady movie Mm -hmm. well i don't know if anybody's seen the movie but me but uh, i like the movie courage under fire which stars denzel washington meg ryan again um where she actually has stuff to do and lou diamond phillips and the story is meg ryan um is a okay spoilers for this movie from 20 something years ago um 1996 yeah so spoilers for this 26 year old movie um she's dead she's dead the entire movie um the premise is they there's a woman who died fighting in um i want to say afghanistan or iraq doesn't matter but like fighting overseas um she's a a black hawk helicopter pilot and she dies and they're trying to decide whether or not to posthumously award her the medal of honor um and so they're investigating her death to find out exactly so she's in it a lot in flashback but you know she's dead the entire movie and a lot of the movie is her dealing with sexism of the military it's 1996 when they're making it right so in the 90s it it, it makes sense that that's the movie and, and Denzel Washington is doing the investigation like trying to find out more about her so it's a lot of him going around meeting with people who were in her squadron and people that she knew and what was it like and so you see a lot of the a lot of flashbacks of her dealing with sexism huh. it very much is a movie about sexism and gender politics um does it pass the Bechtel test? I'd have to watch it again. It's been a long time since I watched it. Uh, I can't remember any other women in the movie other than Meg Ryan. Again, there's, there's another one of those things where, um, okay, spoilers for the end. They do give her the Medal of Honor and they end up giving it to her daughter. But I don't know if her and her daughter ever share a scene. They just need to hand it to somebody. Yeah, I think we could just throw out the Bechtel test at <laughs> yeah, this point. Yeah, right? so, so, like I, so 
But I mean, it's not what Monica wants because it is a movie very much about sexism. It's not just about a strong and woman. And I think, I don't, I can see why that type of movie would be depressing to women. Just like yes. black people would be depressed by seeing, you know, racism. We know racism exists, but I think it, the reason I think it's important is because women need to know, like women deal with it. I deal with it all the time. Women in general deal with it all the time. Like women need to know like it exists and how to deal with it. And what, mm -hmm. so I think it's not something like, like, the de like being depressed or like upset about it should let, like, should let us stop like dealing with the issue. Mm -hmm. Like, and I don't know, I, I just seeing like women, like now in Top Gun Ma Maverick mm -hmm. <laughs> and seeing like, Oh, you know, like, I don't know. I mean, it just, to me, it seems unrealistic. I think even like for all women have gone through to fight for rights, I think it's it's still not like not an even system. And I think there's still women still have to be better and we have to be stronger and all this stuff to deal with and to get to that point in their lives. And I think it's kind of like showing not really showing the full story to me. Like if you want, if I had a daughter, I would want my daughter to like know, you know, what, like I would want to teach my daughter how to be strong, how to deal with like different like situations, common situations that she's going to be in in order to like get to the point she wants to, to get to. And I think just ignoring it is really kind of doing a disservice, not to women. And also I think to men also who like deny often that, that, that sexism exists nowadays. Cause you could just, say oh look at you know in the movies like oh sexism doesn't exist anymore yay mm -hmm. just like racism doesn't exist anymore after barack obama was was elected and i, I think that's just like kind of yeah so you want movies to deal with it but you know well i mean I, I just want some i just don't want to like pretend like things don't exist that still exist mm -hmm. you know i think what yeah. i want is like it's another one where like there should be broad representation and there should be colorblind casting and then there should also be uh, nuanced portrayals of communities via niche films. Like, but then I'm going to argue the same thing of like, there should be movies that deal with these issues. And then there should also be movies that exist as fantasies the same way, like colorblind casting is a fantasy, uh, mm -hmm. like on, on a show like Bridgerton of like, want to watch films where sometimes the nuance portrayal or portrayal and sometimes the representation is a like fantasy of a space in which people don't have yeah. to deal with those things because I think that that's another one that's like an equally important part of the healing process when you've gone through like the trauma of marginalization is being able to see I mean that's kind of why like Afrofuturism exists right is the yeah, I mean to be, to be like to be clear like I'm okay with Top Gun Maverick <laughs> representation <laughs> I just I just the, the, <laughs> the, the problem that I'm kind of like complaining about is that not seeing like enough representation before this point right that yeah I, and i love i mean it, this i i enjoy the movie i'm glad that women were represented but i just feel like there's like a hole in hollywood I, there is and i wanted to point out something that i know only monica and i are going to follow but the oscars changed their rules for representation uh they changed them last year they go into effect in 2024 and this will probably change because the oscars say a lot of shit and then they just kind of throw it all out and they do they do whatever they're going to do but in their push for diversity they have implemented new rules where in order to be nominated for a best picture 
you're supposed to have at least 30% diversity in your cast. And diversity is weirdly defined as, you know, basically white people. And it's it's weird and it's bizarre, but like, you know, doing gay people is okay. Doing And it's just like, oh, you got to be... But here's the thing. I I think there's a difference between making a Macbeth and casting Denzel Washington and just, you know, Macbeth is just black in this movie and it's fine. You know, the fact that it, Denzel is black is irrelevant to the plot. It's just... If you've seen Macbeth when you were in 10th grade, it's that story, right? Right. He does he doesn't <laughs> add um an extra layer of analysis based right. on his identity. It's just that Denzel Washington is a phenomenal actor who loves Shakespeare yes. and is choosing to do Macbeth. Right. So it's it's Macbeth in the exact same way as Macbeth when it's Branagh or when it's Patrick Stewart. It's just Macbeth, right? Um, but if you're going to make a Schindler's list, I want the cast to have a bunch of white people in it and Jewish people. I don't want you throwing in black people in order to hit 30% because that's not what Schindler's list is about, right? Um, I don't want you to throw in women in Fire Island in order to hit some weird token account. Like it's okay to have specific stories, right? It's okay to have a story like, and I know that I mean, we complained about it when it came out, but I think the world needs stories like Green Book. I really do. <laughs> like, 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 I mean, I understand why people might have thought like Green Book was kind of self-congratulatory. You know, the Academy <laughs> masturbating over itself because it was. If you don't but. have Green Book, you can't have films that are more nuanced like Judas and the Black Messiah, right. like right. the following years. Like, it again, like points of entry for people who like mean well, but haven't had exposure to like these conversations is really important mm -hmm. because sometimes you need the point to entry because the jump from watching American Sniper to Judas and the Black Messiah is just too far uh, for you. I was going to go Moonlight, but yeah, <laughs> whatever. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and that's and that's really, yeah, going from American, I think it's a good example, American Sniper or um, there was a Zero point Dark in time 30. When I was like traveling uh, across the country pretty frequently uh, because my husband and I were still in a long distance relationship. And every time I would get on the plane, it would be next to a white man around the age of 50 and he would turn on American Sniper and I would be like, God damn, another one. <laughs> it, it, was was just a, like, I mean, it was just a type. It, and it was the apparently the only movie on, you know, United's limited offerings that seemed to speak to his particular uh, political affiliation and demographic uh, that I saw a lot of white men over the age of 50 watch American Sniper and not Judas and the Black Messiah. So we got to get from, from A to Z. There's got to be stuff in the middle. <laughs> I've, I've also never watched American Sniper. I mean, either. <laughs> um, I have no idea what it's okay, about. Okay, so here's the thing. Steph has seen American Sniper. She went what? with me. You have no memory of it. And and it's not, it is not at all Okay, to, to be fair, sometimes you think I've done things with you no, that I, I haven't. So. I, I, it, it, you, there is absolutely no. Who is in it? Um, Bradley uh, Cooper. Um, Bradley Cooper. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. I forgot the name of the movie. Yeah. yeah. Steph, yeah Steph did, again, there, there is no reason for you to have any memory of it. The most memorable thing that I think you would remember in it is. Bradley the fake baby. Oh, no, no, no. No, the fake baby. <laughs> They, the he has a daughter. Baby. They did not cast the baby, oh, so he's yeah. 
carrying around right. very obvious baby doll. Yeah. <laughs> that they're treating like it's real. And it's so <laughs> creepy. And it's so obvious. And it's not part of the movie. It's not like it's they just they have this baby. And so they didn't, you know, I don't know why they didn't just cast a baby. Any baby would have done. It, it's the not scene like only, the baby was getting shot or anything. No, no, no. It's just the scene where where two adult human beings are rocking and bottle feeding a baby and it's clearly plastic. <laughs> you're like, what's going on here? <laughs> um, yeah. So, yeah. So you have seen yeah, it. Okay. I have. Yes. Um, but again, why would you remember that? No, because... I, yeah. Like, <laughs> honestly, like so many movies just don't stick with me because I feel like I can't relate to them. So, which I think is kind of the point, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so like, I think it's great that, you know, <laughs> I don't know. I think there needs to be more movies that have nuance and you can't have that nuance with tokenism. And when you're fighting for the Bechtel test specifically or trying to create more tests like that, we link to some of them in the in the CFC. We'll link to them again on the in the show notes where people are like, well, this one's for diversity of gender. This one's for race. This one's for religion. This one's for um, for ableism. You know, when you're just doing that, I don't think you're really looking for nuance. You're looking to you know did i score enough woke points on this and that's not and the that's thing not telling is, a story asking, it doesn't feel real if you scored woke points the answer is you, you automatically didn't. scored zero <laughs> yeah <Exactly. laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and i think that people who are asking the question hannah rosin who is the one who started this thing with fire island obviously her heart's in the right place she was trying to speak up for well we need more representation of women which again fine but why pick on the gay asian movie <laughs> like like there are other movies in the world that just seem like a weird target you know that was my problem with it hmm. are there any analogous movies like with lesbians like analogous movies to far island that you can think of you're asking me are there lots are there any I mean, movies about lesbians i'm or, sure or well, i know they're about- awesome i don't know something similar analogous i can't think of to- any other movies that aren't exactly pride and prejudice there i mean like, like i don't know what i don't i mean there are lots of lesbian movies um i mean some of them are, uh, some are really really good some oh, are really yeah, really not right. um uh, I don't know. Blue is the warmest color, based on a. The one we saw, novel. the Victorian one, where a woman was a painter. Uh, woman on fire. Woman, woman on fire. Yeah, that was yeah, really, good. really good. Yeah, yeah there are tons was, uh, of good lesbian okay. movies. Uh, Saoirse Ronan and Kate Winslet uh, film where she's. I don't know. It's basically Woman on Fire again, to be honest, but with an age gap. <laughs> Ammonite. Oh yeah, twenty twenty. Mm-hmm. So yes. Yeah, yes, they exist. Hmm. I, our role is, I guess, you know, don't be stupid. <laughs> yeah. And consider uh, the big picture, too. Like, consider what's, you know, all the totality of I think films that are out. It's the it's the intention, right? It's mm-hmm. uh, don't pick on a don't pick on a movie that is creating a space for people who need it just because you like you don't see yourself in it because it's. Like, I don't know if we can really say that, like, we solved nothing this episode. What I'm going to say is it's not for you. Like, if you don't see yourself, it's not for you. And that's OK. Like, but it's it's also like I don't see myself an American sniper. Well, see, but that's the hard part, right? <laughs> if, and that's, if, again, I, I agree with you. Isn't American sniper. 
And, and like we, cause yeah, you do have to look at the big picture. Like when we're talking about representation, it's representation within one film, but it's also representation within television, within film, within media, like in, in general. And just let there be one fucking gay Asian movie, please. So, so that we can have I, more I, gay I Asian would, movies. I'm, I'm with you in that. I don't think we can, we resolve nothing this episode. Um, but like, here's the weird thing. Like for everything you said, I actually think American Sniper is a really good movie. Is it for me? Not necessarily, but I think it's extremely well done. Yeah, I mean, there were a lot of veterans who came home who, you know, relate to that story that I'm sure is great for them. Yeah, I I think it's, I mean, now to be fair. Okay. So American Sniper made $547 million on a $50 million budget. It's doing fine without my okay, you know, (laughs) and was nominated for Oscars. I don't think that's a bad thing. Mm -hmm. Is it a, it's not a terribly diverse movie. It, it's not supposed to be. That's not what it's for. But like someone would probably try to say, well, yes, but it's dealing with, you know, it's dealing with trauma and you know, emotion. But, but like, sure. And again, this movie, um, you know, Top Gun Maverick is dealing with none of that. Top Gun Maverick is just trivial fantasy. It is it is so it is much a turn your brain film. off movie. Yeah. <laughs> and I think those are okay. I think I think it was kind of really good at what it did. There were I had some like my minor criticisms of this film were like I I frankly if I you want to like go watch need... the diversity version of Planes Go Zoom, go watch a Fast and Furious movie. Yeah. <laughs> Which is for, <laughs> yeah. well my my criticism coming out of Top Gun Maverick was I really needed to hear take my breath away. Um <laughs> there's a there's a there's a song called Take My Breath Away by Berlin, which was recorded for the first Top Gun movie. And it is the number three song on the soundtrack after the Top Gun anthem and then Danger Zone. And then the number three most important song is Take My Breath Away. But I really needed to hear Take My Breath. So for Top Gun Maverick, the anthem returns and Danger Zone returns. And then they've replaced the love theme with this song by Lady Gaga. And I I, I love me some Gaga wasn't right for this movie. I, I just I need to take my breath away. And if you needed a new version, Version. Jessica Simpson recorded an alternate version of Take My Breath Away in like 2005 or something, um, which would have been fine. Um, I, I just needed enough. I needed an update to take my breath away. I was, it, it, I'm I, gonna, that kind of hurt the film for me. I'm going to push back and say that having a Lady Gaga song does make the movie just a little bit gayer. I'm not saying that take away the Lady Gaga song. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> like I, you can have more than three songs in a movie. <laughs> I, I just wanted a callback to take my breath away. But maybe it's not about him falling in love. So oh, the first one think. wasn't about him falling in love. Yeah. It, like it, we it, goose, it, nudge, nudge. <laughs> Oh yeah, no, but the but that's the love theme for it's the it's the love theme for Maverick and Kelly McGillis, yeah, which yeah. I wanted to address just slightly. This goes to the representation issue. There was um some pushback when they first announced the film that Kelly McGillis complained that um she wasn't asked to return for this film, and she said, "Well, the problem is that you know they won't allow Tom Cruise to be with an age appropriate actress." And, and but, yeah, so what was she like? His superior in the original Top okay. Gun movie. <laughs> In the original Top Gun movie, um, okay, spoilers for this movie from 35 years ago. Close your ears. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, 
In the original movie, she is a civilian analyst teacher at Top Gun. She's not his superior because she's not technically part of the military, but she is his teacher. She's not in the military line of command. So therefore, she can't be his superior. Um, does that make sense? Is that uh, is that she's she's yeah, evaluating yeah. him, but she's not. Him. And then they end up having an affair, for lack of a better term. Conflict of interest. Uh, yeah, oh, very much so. Um, and it's, you know, it's fine. Honestly, she's got no real purpose to the movie other than to give him a straight love interest. Like she she barely matters. She is part of the system. But like and, she, and her complaint was, well, they don't want him to have an age appropriate love interest. And I'm like, yeah, Jennifer Connelly is in her 50s. Yeah, she's the I mean, well, Jennifer Connolly is 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 um eight years younger than Tom Cruise, I think. Kellen Gillis is five years older than Tom Cruise. So yes, he is so I, I don't think she's any more or less age appropriate. Tom Cruise looks a lot younger than he is. Kelly looks her age. Tom doesn't. Tom frankly kind of looks like younger than Jennifer Connolly. <laughs> um or about, mm-hmm. but they both look like Hollywood stars still. And Kelly McGillis, by her own account, she got older and fatter she said but also frankly i've seen top gun and there is no reason to believe those two characters are still together 35 years later no (laughs) they 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 yeah, barely no. had any. I guess I was thinking maybe put her in like an authoritative role. No, like there's Val no Kilmer, reason. For, but it doesn't sound like there's no reason for them to still be in touch with. It's like yeah. literally, hey, do you remember that woman you dated for a minute 35 years ago? No. I mean, there's no, again, there's no reason for them to for her to be in the movie. It, it, it wouldn't realistically, they would not have stayed together. And so I'm. She is in the movie briefly because there's a flashback yeah. to the previous movie to where you see her for two seconds and, you know, she, she doesn't matter. There, there, there are people from our past we just don't have contact with. Right. It happens. And that's so, it. Yeah. And, and so I was kind of, I mean, I understand her point. I do think that her greater point of this is kind of why you want something like the Bechdel test to exist. There aren't necessarily a lot of opportunity roles for older actors in Hollywood, particularly women. They don't make enough movies for 64-year-old women. So she is correct. But, I, you know, this is a movie about fighter pilots. And there aren't 64-year-old female fighter pilots. There just aren't. Frankly, and the movie deals with this, but it's kind of weird that he's in it. You know, like the much of the movie is people going, you're way, way too old to be out there. Why are you still here? And him him fighting against ageism in the movie is like a big plot point. So he usually has his 20 years and then he can retire in. Oh, yeah. A, a major plot point is why are you a captain? You're a test. What are you doing? And he's a fuck up test pilot that only still has a job because his boyfriend is an admiral. You know, Val Kilmer's character has an yeah. admiral. And every time Maverick gets in trouble, Iceman makes a phone call. And it's like, no, you know, just give him something to do. <laughs> just like that. That, that. That's I mean, but that's a plot point of the movie that like his, you know, he's basically nepotism is keeping him employed and, yeah. and nothing else. Right. So, um, so yeah, there's no reason for her to be there. Um, and I do think, um, I, I think it's, it's reasonable to say, Hey, you know, why aren't there more? It's not so much in there are roles for older people. There aren't action roles for older people because it's just Liam Neeson. Like Liam Neeson takes those roles and, <laughs> and he makes like, he makes like four movies a year. And, you know, at this point, and nobody 
sees most of them, you know. Bob Odenkirk <laughs> made one last year, as Wayne remembers. But the movies about old people doing action stuff are are few and far between. But I think they're happening, and I think they're important. So I guess. <laughs> yeah, I guess I wouldn't have minded if there was at least like one older woman who was in like had like a high ranking in the. Well, the problem is that there aren't that many in the military because women in the military. I mean, there are some, but they're like in real life, there aren't a lot of like female admirals walking around because there haven't we like going back like in the 80s when yeah, these characters yeah, would have yeah. started there weren't women in those positions and there maybe, maybe if like john ham's character were female i don't know that might well but that's that's what i'm saying how would you have gotten there like you, you then you have to deal with the, you, have, you have to deal with the question of you know so i think that when they make top gun three in in 30 years yeah maybe I think then you, then can, you can, can have that right right then you can have phoenixes uh, now an admiral right but yeah, like but okay. like that's that's the that's I'll the wait. problem <laughs> <laughs> yes. set, a, set a reminder to get your tickets that's right <laughs> stephanie thanks for joining us okay thanks for having yeah, me thanks Steph. you're welcome anywhere people can find you um well no nah, no not really not that they would be interested oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, and monica marvelous you know know that they're particularly interested in finding me either but if you want to i'm on instagram or on twitter uh on instagram that's at monica marvelous but l-o-u-s and on twitter that's at monica marvelous but it's l-o-u-x awesome and wayne nope yay wayane <laughs> any idea how hard it makes to wrap up the show with- I, I, I guess uh, in just in terms of, of personal accomplishment stuff, this isn't something you can find necessarily. But uh, here in Pittsburgh, um, the relatively new mayor, Mayor Ganey, and his staff have started a arts initiative where they are featuring local artists uh, hanging in the conference room and the mayor's office and all around the, the county building. And uh, there's an entire Hutzpah story hanging in the mayor's conference room Ooh. at the moment. Yeah. So, so that was kind of a cool thing. Went down a couple of weeks ago and then had a meeting with the other artists who were involved there. And they plan on doing this every month with different thematic things and uh, seem really genuinely interested in doing stuff for the Pittsburgh arts community. So it was a really good experience. And just uh, once again, that, that project continues in, in different ways. So so if you happen to have a reason to be in uh, Mayor Ganey's office in Pittsburgh, look for art. <laughs> <laughs> It is very cool. It is very cool. So, and you can follow me on Twitter or Instagram or Facebook, all of the places, always at Chris Maverick. Follow the show, all those same places at Vox Popcast. You can follow the show's blog at www.voxpopcast.com, where you can find out what we're talking about next week, which I think is Jurassic Park and Jurassic World and stuff like that. I think maybe. You should give us comments. Give us comments on this or any other show that we've done. You can also leave us suggestions on what you'd like to hear us do a show about. If you enjoy the show, and we certainly hope you do, then please subscribe to us on iTunes or Stitcher or Spotify or wherever the hell else you get podcasts from and do us a favor. Leave us a five-star review. If you leave us a five-star review, especially on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, that really helps us out by goosing the algorithm and helping other people find the show. And we just appreciate it. I would like to thank Stephanie once again for joining us for this conversation. I'd like to thank Maximilian of Baltimore Music for our epic theme song, feeling ever so more epically and playing us out. I'd like to thank you for listening, and we'll see you next time. Bye. 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 Bye.